0: This week on the Saturday Morning Cartoon Podcast, Simon is given Simon is given so so many opportunities. Like I don't know the last time I saw a character handed on a silver platter more opportunities to be good, and Simon spits in the spits in your face. And this is this goes back to their characters. This goes.
1: Hey, kids, it's time for the Saturday Morning Cartoon Podcast.
0: (laughs) Vegeta getting unreasonably upset at Tomato Town. (laughs) 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 Fucking kills (laughs) me.
1: Tomato Town, what are you, a fucking noob? Oh my God. All my friends on TikTok are gonna love this Kakarot.
0: I wanna hear I wanna hear how much does the cameo for uh what's his name? What the hell is Vegeta's voice actor's name? Chris Sabat. How much does his cameo cost so they can make him sing the Chug Jug song?
1: Um they had uh they had um Gilbert Gottfried sing the One Piece theme. Okay. <laughs> the four kid's one piece rap. That's what happened. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was amazing.
0: <laughs> Dreaming. <laughs> Don't give it up, Luffy. They did it. They, it's, I'm like, what a
1: fucking genius. <laughs>
0: Morning, Gilbert got, no, they, Gilbert
1: got de- freed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, guys, gals, and MP pals. And welcome to the Saturday morning country podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, alongside my co-host Morgan. Morgan, are you getting your number down? <laughs> um no. What, what tragedy has uh, beset you to put you on the train? I'm never prepared. You're always
1: asked the same question every single time. To my credit, this time you did not ask the exact same question, but I'm just never prepared.
0: Well, it's of a similar ilk of what's wrong with your life. Oh, man.
1: You know what's wrong with my life now? I have to get over the fact that you just said ilk and I realize I have. Un- that's an uncomfortable word for me to hear.
0: <laughs> what is this? You're moist? D-
1: Moist is fine. I can I can fuck with moist, right? Okay. Right. I mean, ilk, ideally. Ilk? What's wrong with ilk? I don't know. <laughs> I just don't. But it, you know what? I, I, I know I'm morally against it. It just feels I'm like, bad. I'm like Alabama. I don't understand anything about abortion, but I'm morally
0: against it. Your bones must be weak since you drink <laughs> no milk. I drink no ilk. No ilk in that milk. So, today, uh... In honor of what's going to be, I think, May 25th is going to be uh, the attempt to spread the hashtag Save Infinity Train or something to that effect. And, Morgan, you and I have been here before. We've we've done this dance once or twice where we have single-handedly pulled Infinity Train out of obscurity, out of nothingness, out yeah. of the, the dirt and the mud and the garbage, and yeah, propped when, it up. When Infinity Train was just a humble pilot... With
1: seven million views million on views. YouTube. YouTube, we took it upon ourselves to hold this little this little uh this little hatchling under our wings and and just fucking slingshot it into the sun. Into into That's right. we we were on Cartoon Network's doorstep with our podcast Greenlight episode Greenlight Infinity As Train.
0: Episode three, I think. Yes. And <laughs> and you know what? Infinity Train was Greenlight. After we did our podcast, so like, like relatively soon after we we did a podcast, that's correct. It's it, this is listen, uh, it's not all it's not all fame, it's not all fortune. It's you know hosting a popular podcast on the internet. It's not all about the hose. Uh, sometimes you got to take the time to 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 give. You know you have to be generous. We are a generous lover of a podcast and we like to give to the community. Uh, uh, Mr. Owen Dennis, uh, you're welcome.
1: Still waiting for those residges, dude. The residges. Yeah, that's what we call them in the
0: the biz. Yep. The residge biz.
1: The residge biz. I don't, I don't, I'm not in the business of making shit. I'm in the business of making money off of the shit other people make. (laughs) I'm a Hollywood producer. It's fitting. It's fitting for you.
0: Uh, Oh, I'm always
1: saying that because I'm Jewish.
0: No, no, no. Yes, no. So Infinity Train has now, thanks to us, had four mega successful smash hit books. Seasons, as they call mm. them books. Uh, however, the big wigs, the, the bean counters up at HBO Max have decided we can't let this happen. This, is too, this show is too successful. This show is too good. It brings the quality of HBO Max as a service up so that now the rest of our garbage looks worse, right? No one's going to watch Infinity Train books one through four and then Mortal Kombat and think Mortal Kombat's a good movie. Granted, you're not going to think Mortal Kombat's a good movie anyway because it's a bad movie, but if you watch Mortal Kombat after the Infinity Trains, then you're going to be like, this is atrocious. They, they couldn't fit
1: all four hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League and another season of Infinity Train. It was... You know, it was a witch child that you save situation, and and HBO Max shows the wrong
0: one. I I do have a legitimate uh, conspiracy theory that because Zack Snyder's Justice League, which we promised didn't require any reshoots, which we promised was just we had to re-edit it together, which inexplicably cost like $20 million or whatever the fuck, uh, I'm convinced that that siphoned away funds from other shit like Infinity Trade. That's probably true. It's like impossible Uh for it not to. I have no data to back this up, but it feels right. And this is the internet. So feelings are facts. Mm -hmm. So we haven't tweeted it yet. So it's technically not true yet. You have to tweet it first. I guess I'll tweet it and then hashtag blood nation and then it'll be double true. Double true. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to raise awareness. If you have not watched Infinity Train, go watch Infinity Train. That's it. it. It's just that simple. There, there is no more that we need to say, but we have to. F- we're contractually obligated to fill an hour of your time on Saturday morning, so here we are. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do that, and we're gonna do that by telling you why Infinity Train is a very good goddamn show. So, uh, Morgan, what's your favorite Infinity Train?
1: Um, a season of Infinity Train, or a train that is, uh, is goes on forever.
0: Yeah, just your long train. What? Just I, a long well, my <laughs> well, favorite I mean, infinity it
1: train was the infinity train in the one episode of Adventure Time, uh, where the episode was called the Infinity Train, um, and it was about <laughs> the, a train. The that, pilot. I, well, I think so, actually. Right, like I think I I wouldn't be shocked if the that Owen Dennis was aw- was storyboarding for that because I, episode-
0: I don't know if Owen Dennis storyboarded for Adventure Time, but he was on regular show. Well,
1: Adventure Time actually, and I don't know if people talk about this, but Adventure Time actually has an episode called the Infinity Train, where there's this train in the middle of the woods that just goes in a circle forever. And um, every every train car is a different like dungeon with a like one room dungeon with a bunch of bosses. You're not stuck on it, uh, but adventurers get like addicted to the to the thing and stay end up staying on it forever. It so. Um, but I would not be shocked if Owen Dennis or somebody—I'm looking at feeling not, out there—not even
0: a little involved, really. With That's not nowhere. Owen Dennis appears to have started at least Cartoon Network. Well, once, I just on regular show. this
1: whole podcast by uh, by by revealing the fact that Owen Dennis is a fucking le- top. Dragging dragging his name through the dirt, fucking fight <laughs> well, me, let's Fight me, and the fucking the, uh, the McElroy's, McElroys outside Kmart. K-Mart and Owen Dennis. What God. do you have to lose? You've <laughs> lost it all. I've already taken it all away from you. You can only stand to get it back.
0: We are the gatekeepers for if Infinity Train gets more seasons.
1: <laughs> we can give you more seasons, Owen Dennis. We've done it before. Yep. All right. <laughs> my so, favorite season of Infinity Train, my favorite book,
0: Um, it's probably book three. That's... Yeah, because uh, I was struggling with this question as well myself, and the more I thought about it, I think mine's book two, but book two and three are very, very close. Mm-hmm. Now, each book of Infinity Train, uh, for those of you who have not watched it, involves these characters who they walk into the train through this portal that just appears somewhere, and once they arrive on the train, they wake up. They don't know it's a train. They, they don't know anything. They just kind of walk through a portal and then appear, usually. Uh, and then they'll wake up with a mysterious number on their hand. And it could be any number. Literally, it's just a number. The number uh, book one of Infinity Train is entirely dedicated to explaining what like the mystery, this mystery. Right? What is this number? Why am I on this train? What's up with this fucking uh, every car of the train is a different world. Which is radical for a DD campaign idea that I'm not smart enough to put together. But I thought about it.
1: And uh, I don't know, smart enough. You could just say whatever happens. Like the train the drain cars aren't that deep, man. They're like <laughs> they're, there's one that's just like a monster party car. There's one there's the fucking there's a there's a car that's literally just has a toad in the middle of it and it's with a sign that says don't kick <laughs> don't the toad. Don't kick me. No, it was the <laughs> it sign that says kick, says, toad. kick toad. and the toad just begs you not to kick him.
0: Yeah, the toad doesn't want you to kick him. It's a it's a it's a classic trolley problem. <laughs> uh uh, there's the... the What is it? There's the fart car, which is just fart a car, car of farts. And then there's the duck car or whatever. It's just a car full of ducks. There's the Corgi car. There's Corginia.
1: Corginia, you're right.
0: And so, the, re- the, the reason for the number on the hand and the point of the people being on the train is because they have a, some problem in their life that they need to sort out, and the train acts as this sort of hellish therapist. It's not even really therapist. It's literally just figure your shit out or you'll die here, which is maybe not the most healthy way to go about your issues. But uh, every of the four seasons, the characters have kind of varying levels of issue. So let's let's just start with book one, which, as I learned today, all the books have uh, unique titles. Uh, Book one is the perennial child. Which is kind of just an in- the indie universe thing mm-hmm. of uh, Tulip Olsen, the main character, finding her way on the train, and then how her being there has sends ripple effects throughout the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And Tulip's problem is that she has parent divorce issues, <laughs> which you'll know That's... if you listen to our episode where we've discussed the first. I think the first. Did you do the first episode or first two episodes of Infinity Train?
1: I think it's just the first episode, probably. Well, there, wait, did we do an episode after it's been greenlit? Yeah.
0: We, uh, episode, uh, what wound up being episode 50. Huh. We, well, I, believe, I believe it was uh, just the, I don't remember it was the first episode, or the first two episodes, but either way, we discuss it. We go, listen to that episode, listen to episode 50. It's great. It's a good episode. And the, yeah, as I said, book one is Tulip going through the car yeah. trying to figure, because she's accompanied by this small robot one-one and later on uh the Cor- the king of Corgania, atticus and this is a fun this is a fun ragtag group that kind of um uh it becomes a template for like for what the character what the the party if you will will be mm-hmm. from here on out it's almost always your uh person with problems um a, ch- a, a sidekick kind of thing and then some weird train creature right they call them what do they call them they call them there's a word for them you're
1: there's they're passengers and then there's
0: uh there's like denizens of the of the train
1: denizens but they have a specific one their companion i think it's just your train companion
0: oh uh, yeah the train companions uh nulls if you're an anarchist we'll get <laughs> if to you're it apex if you're apex apex if you're an apex legend <laughs> And yeah, because of um, so the Tulip's problem being that her parents are getting a divorce and um, her sort of trying to figure a way to get to 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 uh, because she kind of represses it. It seems as we see Tulip later in book one, by the way, spoilers for everything. I know we're we're a little ways into the podcast, but I just want to throw a blanket spoiler all of Infinity Train. We're not holding back yeah and so yeah tulip is just mad at her parents because they're getting a divorce and her brain like rewired the memories of the good time uh, her, and her brain rewired all the memories to be good times when in reality yeah her parents were in a failing relationship like very blatantly which is a really hard bomb to drop on a show that aired on cartoon network <laughs> And yeah, which, which is a theme that we keep was, up.
1: Like from the get go, way heavier than other shit going on, and it was more real, right? Like they yeah. got into shit that was relatable and real.
0: And Admittedly, it, it got
1: less relatable as it went on. <laughs>
0: um, to an extent, I think. Like, I think this, like, you watch book one and you're like, "Wow, this is some heavy shit for a for a, a show like this," and then as it goes on, it kind of gets heavier and heavier. Book four is more. Uh, has a lot more levity to it, and there's actually a reason for that. But books two and three are really goddamn hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I have much else to say about the first book, uh, Morgan. Do you have anything you want to add? Um, uh, so, Morgan, do you have anything you have to say about book one that we haven't? Well, you don't know, think uh, we've already gone over? Yeah. I, I think I think we'll in general have more to say about like the subsequent books, just because. Uh, well, Well, like we said, we had an episode, we have technically two episodes about book one already. Um, I would say that,
1: what did I say about book one? I would say that it was impressive, the level of, like, mystery it was able to, like, throw at you. Um, from the get go, right? Like it, like as a Cartoon Network show, that there you could tell that there was a lot of shit going on. Because a lot of cartoon shows, they have like this, like subtle, like it, like it's been a while since we've had like, I, I don't know. Gravity Falls was a lot this way, where the mystery was the point of the show, right? right. Like, like there are shows like Adventure Time that have a lot of mysteries and in deep lore that's alluded to, but it's not the
0: point of the show. It's it's very rarely the focal point.
1: Yeah. And Infinity Train did that and it did it really well, and you wanted to see know everything that was going on. Yeah. Right? And- so that that was awesome. Uh Tulip, a very strong character. Um who's Tulip's voice actor again? Uh Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson. Uh always playing redheads. <laughs> Name one other. Gwen. Okay. Gwen Tennyson. Name a third. Whoever the Last of Us girl was. She's not redheaded. She's basically redheaded. Get over yourself for her not being redheaded. On the
0: cover, she's so
1: redheaded. She's got redhead energy.
0: Well, that's blood. (laughs) The red is blood.
1: Is, 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 uh, yeah. All lesbians are redheaded.
0: There's this um. great. I remember seeing this great video of someone just taking voice clips from uh, Ellie from The Last of Us and splicing it over Tulip in Infinity Train, and it's just it just make because she uses the per- more or less the same voice for for both characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just seeing Tulip look up at some nonsense on the train just going, uh. "All right, what the fuck is that?" That's great. I also love uh, and I. I guess I want to mention this. I love so much the scene where they're in the crystal car and they have to determine Sing a um,
1: this, A song that means something to them or whatever.
0: Yeah, and she's try she goes through like she goes through every genre of what a, what a meaningful song would be, and yeah. then it turns out it's um. Oh, what's the actual song name? It's very uh,
1: much it's a it, you know what now that we have this show to compare it to. It's the Mitchells in the versus the machines uh fucking it was just like a silly song that they sang on road trips
0: yeah it's it's word up that's what the song is word up and it's such a strong scene and it does it because this is this scene happens before we learn what tulips like real problem is that she has this parental issue and that she's been rewiring her brain to remember her parents is loving each other hmm. more than they really did and so this song is kind of a really good uh signifier of that because she remembers it because it was this un um this uh uh uh, untainted good memory of her family on a road trip when she was younger which is very clearly something she holds on to very uh deeply.
1: Uh it 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 was also cool how they like straight up at the bat like because there's always this thing it's like um on these trains they, they they seem dangerous. But in season one, it's, it's you don't know if anything on the train is really dangerous,
0: right? Like oh, yeah, everything- they, they play it up a bit. Like, we see one character get slurped into the sky, and you kind of yes. just assume that that's, they're dead. Yes. And then,
1: like, other train cars, there's, like, denizens on the car, like, the, the fucking uh, beings on the car already that are meant to help the passengers get their number down and subsequently off the train. Yeah. Uh there's they you know, there there are some of them that are aggro and will <laughs> and will and and will put the uh the passengers in danger. But you but you know, I you know, it's it's a question like are they really like there and can they really harm a person, a passenger, right? Um, but they do this thing where they have and they never explain it, and that pisses me off because we this would definitely be explained in the subsequent series. The fucking cockroach dogs. I want to know what the fuck that story is.
0: <laughs> the I believe they're called the Goma. The Goma? Yeah. From and Legend w- of Zelda. <laughs> no, that's uh it's uh, that's something else. No, no, it's Goma. No.
1: That's the boss no. in of Time, Goma. I don't believe you. G O H M A. No. Type it in, motherfucker. Go,
0: go, go away. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not a gom, it's just a gom. 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 yo The the gom are these cockroach dogs that are also dementors because they suck your soul out. They suck uh, your soul out. It'd be a shame if that happened anyway, let's move on from that thought. Yeah. So though that's, like, imminent danger.
1: There's actual danger yeah. on. There this There is real world. danger,
0: which, yeah, it raises questions as to where is this train? Like, where could it possibly be that it's going for infinity in the middle of this wasteland desert? And also, who
1: invented an extra-dimensional train to help people, like, get over
0: a breakup? <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I like to think it's just kind of this thing that exists, right? It's just this byproduct of the, the universe. That has existed prior to train's invention. Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, hey, you want some some hella headcanon? The person who invented trains got on the Infinity Train and said, "Yo, this is radical." Got up, f- figured out their problems and then stole the idea. That son of a bitch! Mad head son! Mad head <laughs> Yo, look at this image. Who's getting the best headcanon? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Simon. <laughs> Oh God, who's oh, that? Joke no, for? It, that's, it, that's an old. It meaning. has multiple meanings. Uh. <laughs> so what's? I I think uh, I think we should we can move on to book two because I certainly have a lot more to say about book two than book one. And not to say that book one's bad or anything. Book one's very good. It's just that book one's entire job is to show off. Okay, here's what the Infinity Train is. So then the subsequent books can now play with it and play with the the the, the characters you meet. Because one cool thing Infinity Train does is that at least for. Two of the books, eh, arguably three, they will have character they will introduce a character who will then become a focal point in the next book.
1: Yeah, they sow the seeds really early on, and you can and you can tell you can tell what the next book is gonna be about sometimes, you know? And you can yeah. and there's a lot of stories left to tell, HBO Max.
0: We're watching you. And by we're watching you, I mean we won't be watching you if you don't renew Infinity Train. Yes um so and so in in book one uh tulip visits this place called the mirror car where it's just a car of mirrors and reflections but as it turns out this is where it's revealed that your reflection what you see in the mirror is a whole nother person it's a sentient being at least on the train and, or, like, the train brings us to life. It's kind of weird, it's kind of unexplained, but the point being, Tulip talks to her reflection, her reflection is nothing like her, and she's able to free her reflection of herself. Which, interestingly, comes back, this has, like, real-world ramifications where Tulip does not have a reflection anymore in her life. Which feels like it would raise questions, but whatever, this isn't happening on the train, we don't care.
1: But also, the, what, one question that gets raised is, do you think everyone's been on the Infinity Train? Like, like, what like determines? All people? A, yeah, because like, what determines that this that your problem was bad enough, right? Everyone's got these problems. Yeah. So, so like, so does everyone been on the train, but n- just and nobody talks about it, right? Like, well, everyone I mean- assumes they're the only person.
0: Well, you want to you want to talk about like people with minor problems getting on the train. Let's talk about the human in book two, whose name is Jesse, who I I relate to for some reason. And his the problem that puts him on the train, he even has a low number. I think his number is 30 something when he first gets on yeah. the train. And his problem is that he's kind of a pushover who didn't do what was right by his brother. Mm. What is that? That's nothing. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually think there's, you know, there's good reason for that. And it's that you want do you want Jesse to have such a minute lame problem because it's not, the book isn't about Jesse. It's about, uh, it's about mirror Tulip. Yeah. Or uh, she's referred to as MT for a while. (laughs) And this is why I really, really enjoy book two, because it's all mirror Tulip. just like, I'm cool. I'm on my own, whatever. And it's a little bit of her trying to like find herself, find out who she is as a person. But as it goes on, it transforms more from, I'm trying to find myself as a person to, uh, i want other people to recognize me as a person because she's being hunted down by the mirror police yeah the first half of it
1: she's like i don't need anybody uh you know she's very like i'm not defined by anything else but then she realizes she wants to be she, she needs that uh gratification from others she needs to be acknowledged
0: yeah, but, like, not as, like, she doesn't want to be defined as a runaway find reflection.
1: She, yeah, she hasn't she, believed it herself
0: the whole time, you know? Yeah, she doesn't want to be defined as Tulip's reflection, or and just, like, a criminal. She wants to be defined as who she is as a person. And by, uh, by actually murdering a man, she finds the answer. She like, finds I, some, some, some peace. By yeah. murdering him and getting his guts on her face. That happens, that's real. It's fucking, it's, uh, so here's what,
1: something about A vintage train it gets more and more Well, it's fucking metal. It get it. Season book four kind of fucking petered out, man. I feel like there was no like nobody got (laughs) chopped. Dies. No one got somebody. They were by this point. They should have been Mortal Kombat finished, right? (laughs) At this point, no one's spine was ripped out. Exactly, and it should have happened at this point.
0: Book three. (laughs) The the scale of escalation shows.
1: so, uh, So book one. Uh, a court gets turned into a cockroach, and it's the saddest thing ever. Um, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> book uh, two. Book, book two. A metal man is ripped in half and then is is carried out while his gooey metal bits are trailed behind him, uh-huh. and then is fl- flung into the wheel of the train and grated down like fucking cheese. Like yeah, he's like he's a, like a, like a shark like a par, uh, like a sharp Parmesan.
0: <laughs> it and this this aired on a week uh, on a school night. This aired on yep. a school night on Cartoon Network. Yep. For and, some reason, uh, yeah. unrelated completely, the next two books were exclusively on HBO Max and not on Cartoon Network. I don't know and why. On, I just feel like that's important to point out.
1: Yes, and on H- and much like Young Justice, as soon as they're on like HBO Max, hey, we can murder people now. Hey, so we then can they, get a lot darker. Yes, and they did. They 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 off-screen murder a character and then they on-screen
0: murder a fucking human character. A literally. human 18-year-old. So he's just barely legal, but yeah, he fucking dies. Gets he gets fucking turned to dust. But, but not only that he turns to, he melts into bones and then turns yeah. to dust. It's almost unnecessarily brutal, right? Yeah. You, cause I made the reference that the gomes were like Dementors earlier where they just suck your soul out. And we've seen yeah. what that looks like in Harry Potter, right? If you watch the movies where nope. it is, this kind of this, your soul sucked out and you're just a lifeless corpse. But mm. the gomes in this suck your soul out so good. They give you such a good suck, suck 9,000 <laughs> that it rips the skin and muscle away from your being and turns you to dust. And these things don't live on the train. So I re- they're probably the thing I'm most curious
1: about, right? Yeah. Honestly. Because, like, They're whatever. just these monsters. Because whatever. Like, 1-1, one, one, he's whatever. 1-1's one, the conductor, and, like, who made him? I don't fucking care. You could just... That doesn't need to be answered for Infinity Train to be a good show, right? Like, that yeah. doesn't... Like, I could deal with that. I need to know where the fuck these cockroaches are. <laughs> where, why why they exist.
0: I, well, I mean, they're just there. Listen, cock- you know, why do cockroaches exist in our world?
1: Well, actually, um, well, <laughs> actually, okay, go on, right? It's a well uh, actually. They uh evolved from yeah. level 5
0: uh uh-huh. cocooners. Okay. So maybe they have like level 5 infinity kakunas mm. in the infinity train verse or whatever, I guess. It's like it the pla- listen, I let me just describe the Infinity Train. I don't train know why that world.
1: one that that's the thing I need to know, but it is like I do need to know it.
0: <laughs> just just for reference, the Infinity Train world is this large flatland. There's nothing there. The sun's beating down on it, and all that there is a train and monsters. So it's basically Idaho,
1: but it's not like a, a like a fucking pit of like uh it's
0: not a like a pit of despair or anything.
1: mutant shapeless. No, it's just flatland monsters. It's 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 specifically these cockroach dogs. Yeah. It's so specific that soul-sucking cockroach dogs, and there's multiple uh-huh. of them, and they're clearly not of the train because they can leave the train. So why the
0: fuck are they there? That's Maybe just one the, of, that's, the just of the cockroaches invented the train, right? Maybe okay. they're sentient. Do you think the train is actually their way of just securing food?
1: Uh, you know, like it's, it's a, a, like it's they a just Venus like, flytrap. And then they're just sporty about it that they give them a chance to get off. They give them a hard out
0: <laughs> because, you know, you want your meat tender. <laughs> if tender your number is high and, enough, you're tasty And
1: freshly emotionally uh, fucking uh,
0: epiphanied. Oh, God, this is just that Love, Death and Robots episode <laughs> <laughs> that I probably haven't seen yet. No, it's like it's kind of like the Aquila Rift, the, the, oh, the yeah. space spider. The space spider, which is literally just like giving you nice hallucinations because it'll make you taste better, or whatever.
1: Oh, that's what it was.
0: That's that's that that it.
1: And love death and robots because they—you didn't eat them. They let them get to all skin and bones. Remember, he was just trying to keep them alive as long as possible. I don't oh, think he yeah, tried like, to eat them. But
0: well, what was the purpose? It was I obvious there was something to make a beneficial.
1: cool animation. I like if it was, if it was to eat them. Then why don't they just eat them? Unless it was eating their s- their psychic energy,
0: like Morgan. Bo- Morgan. You can't, you literally cannot sit there, and when I ask a question of why, you say, because it's cool. And then you, for five minutes, go, but what the fuck is with these gums? Listen, man. Yeah? Go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah? Yeah, because Infinity Train was has eight books written out of it, and and five of which are storyboarded. Uh-huh. Uh, HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so but they, when Netflix comes to, it's it like make a ten-minute video. I might not be hard-pressed to build an entire universe. Well, that's on you. Yeah, because th- you're right. Th- those people, they were just lazy. <laughs> Though th- the people who made that, that 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 uh that animation, they were just lazy.
0: They just milked it for the cash.
1: Yeah. They just put oh, it let's out just there. put a dude in space. People will like that. Whatever, <laughs> idiots.
0: <laughs> let's just ha- let's just ha- painstakingly well, do this ridiculous well, what's the animation.
1: Well, all- fucking psychic spider. Who gives a shit? <laughs>
0: Doesn't matter. None of this matters. It don't matter. None of this matters.
1: So, dude, you know, what- dude. Okay, so we're watching Cobra Kai, and there's this scene. All right. I bust a gut laughing because there's this scene where, uh, like just in. They, they, their two students just got like severely injured fighting each other. So Ralph Machio just like they're in the hospital. Ralph Machio gets on an elevator and fucking the Cobra Kai dude is just in there with him. So they just he just walks oh, in and they're just silence. <laughs> Well, and I just could not. It's just stop the Ava off. elevator. <laughs> just the Ava elevator. Oh my with, god! How with long long Ralph Macchio, uh, not as long. It was not oh, a well done. Cowards. And, and then cowards. the Cobra Kai guys, like you, you can't sync up with your Ava like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ralph Macchio just crane kicks him
0: and walks. Out. <laughs> crane kicks him in the face. And then the uh, Cobra Kai guy goes on to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> that lasts three episodes. I've been, we've been we've been talking about Ava a lot. We've been talking about a lot of things a lot. There's a lot of weird crossover. <laughs> so uh, one thing I want to kind of I want I want to cycle back to book two a bit because, uh, yeah, I, I all this all this stuff about uh, Mirror Tulip having all this identity crisis and stuff. It's it culminates in the I think it's like the last episode or there's one episode where Jesse actually he gets his number to zero because he learned self-respect or whatever mm-hmm. and by this point jesse and mt are like really legitimately good friends and so jesse's like oh sick nasty bruh i can go home now i put a lot of myself in jesse i have to be honest like you know i i like i said i see a lot of myself in him uh to be more like him i'm gonna when this podcast is done i'm gonna go you, you downstairs might, and you might and- call
1: yourself mj the mirror jesse
0: listen uh, to make to to make myself feel more like him i'm gonna when this podcast is done i'm gonna go downstairs and mash my dick against a shiny metal pot all right just to sort of get in the character more so jesse like opens the door home and he's like cool let's go and so he goes to leave but mirror tool literally cannot leave because she is not allowed she's a being of the train i love the idea
1: like how does he get back on the train right like does he just like they Quick, do, I need this. your help, little brother. And then he just starts kicking the shit out of his little brother. <laughs>
0: uh, oh no, <laughs> I like feel so be-
1: ambivalent <laughs> about this.
0: oh, whoops. My brother, I'm bullying my little brother. If only some train would be... And the brother's like, what the if- fuck is happening?
1: Because I, I sure hope a therapy train doesn't come <laughs> right
0: now. And the parents come in there like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, so... Uh, mirror tulip decides okay obviously the only way for me to get off the train is for me to get a number so i'll head to the front of the train where they give the numbers and get one and there's this really fantastic scene of her trying to get a number and it's just it's not happening and, and literally and- nothing in the car acknowledges her as even being there as existing. The place, because the place they're
1: in and also this place is is built beautifully it's so uh like Icy and cold and like yeah and, and metallic and, robotic and metallic. It's 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 um I don't even know. I, I'm so bad at describing things, man. It's 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 so <laughs> otherworldly and uh and and it feels so empty. There's like fo- It's foggy. It's creepy. Yeah and and there's just so much weird shit going on. And the way they decide to visualize these things of them like. How do they decide the numbers? Well, obviously, I don't know how you would do it, but obviously, wow. they have little ball robots that that go on that that go onto a person's head after they plant them in in the ilk, the milky ilky goo, <laughs> the and milky they, ilky, ilky, and those little robots start stringing out the fucking VHS tape memories uh-huh. out of your mind, so another robot can eat them and then uh-huh. bring them to a machine and and to, can bring them to the Conductor 1-1 one one to spit out a VHS tape so he can put that VHS tape in just a straight-ass VHS machine. Like one that watch your grandmother it. had. Yeah, and just watch it, and then that decides your number. Instead of just having a machine that does it, right? Like, just the... They could yeah, have just had the laser that does it. They had this whole, like, liquid path that, like, like carries the people there. and It and sorts it, them all. Yeah, they really, they really, like,
0: fleshed out the the world. Yeah, the and people on the train in this, in the processing unit are treated like Doors and in Monsters, Inc. It's,
1: it's, it's, it's,
0: it's, uh, yeah,
1: there's a lot going on. It's complicated.
0: Yeah. And Mirror Tulips, you know, she gets to see all this. And it's cool, because she's seen this all for the first time, and as are we. And we're seeing it through her eyes. And she's like, this is fucked up, but I need to get myself some of that sick, sick number juice. Yeah, and, and a passenger like- was never meant to be awake in the train, and and one and one of the th-
1: cool things, the themes that carry on about the train, and it's and it's and it's why Tulip was a good character for season one is that it's it's like a computer program, like the yeah. the, the, the 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 train, even though it's an emotional, uh, subjective s- situation that it's trying to solve, the train is very objective and it's like if then statements throughout yeah, there's the whole a blatant
0: thing. logic behind how it works ultimately yes.
1: yes and so since there was never meant to be any any not any passenger in here none of the beings in this train none of the robots were ever meant to talk to anybody so they don't register anything else existing they don't yeah. register to merely t- existing but
0: but even that is such like it whether because like I actually never considered that. I never considered the idea that the robots just wouldn't uh yeah. talk to anyone. But I think that actually adds an interesting layer to it because Mira tool doesn't know this because she knows exactly yeah. as much as we do. But she's going she starts going ballistic about this because they won't acknowledge her, they won't look at her, they won't give her a number and this is where like this is where her identity crisis hits this insane peak where she just starts breaking as much as she can and crying her eyes out. And what's fascinating about this and uh it's that some people i think it's blatant but some there's been some disagreement on the internet but i think it's blatant this is very clearly a trans allegory where this character is saying i am who i am and no one is accepting it as a cis
1: person i know of course i never even thought to consider that right Uh but it makes a lot of sense now that you say it that way i can i can very clearly see that
0: yeah and like obviously the first time i watched it i think i might have gotten pangs of it but i didn't really it didn't sink into my brain mm. so i watched it the first time, trans like, twitch yeah you know the 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 trans twitch stream and i didn't you know like i said it, it was the, my, my trans senses were tingling yeah but it, they didn't go off so after watching it i was like that was hardcore and then i look online and i see oh that could be what that man i'm re-watching it with that lens on i'm just like Oh, this is fucked up, and like this weird, is really fucking raw.
1: Another interesting thing that happens in that scene when Jesse comes back and they're fighting the last mirror, whatever fleck, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they, 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 and I didn't notice. I rewatched it through the whole series with my girlfriend, showing it to her, and she, she absolutely loved it. Um, because she has eyes, right? Yes. Um, and the the there's they have like a sakuga scene, right? Okay. The, Explain that. The so Sakuga just means like a really high budget animation scene, right? Okay. Like they have the scene where they have the motion camera, right? That like follows the the what what I forget what they threw at the Fleck, but like they throw dirt from the world into like oh through right the yeah, door yeah. Uh, into tulips grabs, like grass yeah. or something yeah and throws it back at him and then and then he flies over and then and it's like. Um. go uh... <laughs> we have yeah, not mentioned, its mentioned Alan Dracula yeah, at all yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be really weird to say and then they like transition. go Alan Dracula <laughs> right. and then no, Alan Dracula fucking eviscerates the flag Alan, in a really and high in a really high intense like animation scene it's like yeah. really well done
0: it's a scene where you can see the money dripping off of it
1: as it's yes. happening yes because there was not <laughs> any other sequence in this or any other part of uh, Infinity Train. That's the part where they chose to do it, and yeah. I imagine it's because they did. They thought this might be the last one, um, at the time it, because it didn't get because HBO Max was still like rolling out stuff, right? Yeah.
0: The more you look into Infinity Train, the more you realize that it feels a lot like they didn't know how many books they were getting ever. Yeah. Like book one happens, and no one kind of knows if it gets another. Book two came out. And then, well, like, at the end of book one, there's a teaser that there's going to be more. Right. So I think they at least knew they were getting the first two books. And from there, it was kind of uh, it, it was it was they were hot dogging it a bit. They were they were hot potatoing the idea around. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And so you mentioned earlier how like Jesse beat the shit out of his brother to come back on the train. But <laughs> the actual like and this is why it's this really interesting thing is he comes back on the train because he does have a new trauma he has to deal with. But the new trauma is that. He, you know, he wants to be with Mirror Tulip. He wants Mirror Tulip to have come with him. So he gets on a train. He's given a number, but the number is irrational. Literally, it's like square root of I. Yeah. Or it like cycles through and you have one one there going like, well, what the shit is that? Because you're not, because and he gets you stuck can't in a leave loop, the train. Yeah. yeah, you can't leave the train until your problems are resolved. But the only way to resolve this problem is for this the denizen of the train to leave the train. But the denizen of the train doesn't have a number. Right. So the denizen of the train can't leave the train. Yeah. And so it's so literally it's all- just this this logic problem. Like Morgan yeah. was mentioning earlier, how this whole everything operates under a very secure logic, yeah. like a program.
1: And, and Tulip was a was a was like a game designer uh, uh, student. Yeah, a that's, programmer. Yeah. And so that's why she and, and that's how she tackled the the experience of the train. She was trying to logic through it. Yeah. Right. Um and very so she was like, why is this happening? She, you know, she like was looking for very clear reasons. She was like scientific methoding it and all this stuff. And and it makes a lot of sense. Um the, so we were taught we mentioned that they it felt like they never really knew how many books they had. Um and I know specifically with book four, they knew this HBO Max was like, All right, you're getting this one, bleh. That's, and it, that's it. Right? Yeah. Um and so they chose this one. They knew right. this is the one they wanted to do. Um, and I don't know why, after watching it, it's it's good, right? There are cool things about yeah, it
0: yeah it's it's solid. It's not my
1: favorite, no, it's not my favorite. and also, it's not as brutal murdery, unfortunately,
0: <laughs> which is which is a negative
1: yes. and um I thought it doesn't explain anything about the train. and in, in fact, it has
0: the least to do with the train well i I, I disagree with that a little bit. It doesn't explain anything about the train, but by. Uh, so book four winds up being a prequel to everything, to all of this. It takes place in like the eighties, and it happens to take place at the exact same time as Amelia, the character who takes over the train in book the one. The antagonist of book one, yeah. The antagonist of book one. It happens to take place as Amelia is taking over the train. We see little shots <laughs> here and there of uh Amelia is talking to one one, learning about the train, and then might, weird and then shit just happens. One, one at that point. but that's yeah, it is one at that point. And there's a handful of scenes where weird shit happens around the characters of Book 4. Uh, uh, Minji Park and Ryan Aga- uh, Akagi. Akagi. Mm-hmm. And um sorry if I mispronounced that. And there's it's these scenes that have literally nothing to do with the characters of the book. It just happens around them. And this was meant to be a lead into Book 5, which was going to be how Amelia took over the train. Mm hmm. And which I is, kinda, part of which, me thinks that's might be why they chose this book specifically, because it's so clearly a lead into something else that they're going to be like, Hey, look, people are asking for this shit to be explained. HBO. Ah, ah, ah.
1: That, that would answer my question. That makes a lot of sense. Now that when you put it that way through that lens, um, because otherwise it's like, I would, I would have expected them to put something that wraps up some loose ends because book three also ended with a lot of questions and a lot of things happening. In, oh, in- yeah.
0: So let's cycle. Like, honestly, I don't know how much I actually have to say about book four. Uh, like if we want to just wrap that up real quick because we uh, have it starts characters. with
1: like one of the coolest shots in the coolest montages. It of does. Like- that
0: actual, uh, that duel because yeah. uh, book four is unique in that it's two passengers who both have the same number. They enter the, the train at the same time. They have the same numbers because their problem is together. Their problem is one. Mm. And there's a sick, sick shot early in episode one that shows how they were um, their friends as kids and life just kind of like had them drift apart. One of them stays in their hometown. The other one goes to be a rock star.
1: Yeah, they and start, they, 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 it like seamlessly sh- sh- like slides into the split screen montage. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and then just as seamlessly it comes right back. Like so it's like split screen in the middle of the screen. And then, and it's just showing how one of them went off to become a musician, sucked at it, and the other one is like getting pushed into college, and he's not really sure what he wants. But yeah. like really cla- also boilerplate kind of stuff, really. So that was another reason it, yeah. to, it's it's a compelling story.
0: But one I've seen a million
1: times, right?
0: Right. So, yeah. No, I get but, that. This isn't this isn't as unique a story. I mean, like I said, book two has a trans allegory. Fucking, where are those in children's cartoons? Book yeah, three book has three fucking, literal fucking anarchists.
1: Yeah. Um. So, but so the uh the split screen and the, it goes on for like uh like maybe three minutes of yeah. them like just and then you see that what like they they start thinking about each other by the end and uh, you see they're starting to sync up. Like, one of them's in the restaurant he works at, and he's about to close up. And the other one's running towards it, and you see the sign turning. And then it seamlessly, it's its so good, you uh, you get the shot of them on each side of the door, uh-huh. and you don't With even realize...
0: Yeah. Because the door is directly in the center of the frame, exactly where the split yeah. screen was. So you
1: don't even know the split screen ended as... Well, you know, but, like, its you don't get the transition of it ending like yeah. abruptly it he just walks through the split screen the door of the diner and 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 enters the same room as right? Mingi, right Minji uh and that's, it is, it's that's such a fantastic was, shot
0: it's really good uh and it's actually kind of unfortunate that the rest of the season doesn't super live up to that no nah, uh, not really but i do i do want to shout out kez kez, kez is fantastic <laughs> My favorite scene, uh, because Kez is this little flying bell, Mm -hmm. like this uh, receptionist bell, right? Yeah. And she is kind of just a shithead. But (laughs) there's this fantastic scene where Minji, uh, like, uh, Ryan's going to do some fuck shit. And Minji's like, wait, shouldn't we, like, think about this first? And Kez just, like, floats next to to Minji's ears, like, hey, man, man, hey, hey, man, listen, man, man, listen. It'll be all right. (laughs) And she leaves. (laughs) <laughs> and that's such that's such a weird like stupid thing that made me laugh she, so hard
1: she yeah no the 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 acting in this one was really well done you know the, all the all the characters played very well um there was a uh uh wild west car with bug people and that was awesome <laughs> uh-huh bug cowboys bug cowboys that's radical there, there was just straight up the labyrinth car just that was the labyrinth from the movie um, Monsters Inc. <laughs> right, right.
0: No, uh, I was gonna uh, say of mice and men. Of mice and men. I mean, you I've to, only to, read the book. Okay, <laughs> fucking Mister Literate over here. Uh remember that the pig baby car, where they have to appease a pig baby.
1: Yep, and then they make fun of American food, and I don't know if it's because they're they're Asian or because they're Canadian.
0: No, because this is like this took place in the 80s. And so they're describing post-war American food, which I don't know if you've ever read a post-war American cookbook. It is the stuff of nightmares. Really? Like, I'm like a a liberal, like crazy liberal use of gelatin. (laughs) Oh, boy. I urge you to look some shit up. It's horrific. Uh, But fun fact, Do you know who Pig Baby was voiced by? Shit, I'm thinking about it. You won't. I would. I would be shocked if you if you got it. Right, let me hear it. J.K. Simmons, really? Right? Damn. Isn't that fucking stupid? That's pretty.
1: That's impressive. Isn't that I so really dumb? The range on this man.
0: Listen, J.K. The Simmons one time is you treasure. played
1: not J.K. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: and and I guess the only the other part that I that I really liked, and I liked it in a way that it was like, well, I guess there's two parts. I liked that. I had like the hands demon yeah i don't know what to describe it as besides the the shadow hands demon because it has a sick-ass design and i like it because it, that, that was that was fucking
1: oh you know what that can be the metal scene really because that was fucking that was fucking intense that was scary yeah, i
0: thought i thought that bit because the bit is they walk into this museum and every now and then you see the shadow of a hand reach up to the character's heads and then like squeeze yeah. and it's very clearly a a, a super visual metaphor for um, like giving them ang- and, yeah, yeah dark thoughts, anxiety, depression, so on and so forth. And I thought it was just like th- going to be this shadow thing, right? This shadow creature, but yeah. for out of fucking nowhere, it, it starts climbing out of a portrait, and it's this giant like creature made out of hands. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's terrifying. It's just hands.
1: They use entirely just hands to make up this creature. The face is just a mass of hands, and somehow you get a face out of it, and it's really, it's creepy. And they're all different colored hands. Yeah, it's uh, it's so fucking cool. Fleshy, gross. It's got all these fucking appendages
0: and like yeah, it's Eldritch's shit. It's yeah, it moves creepily. Oh my god. But just the the one other thing I want to shout out in book four that's like legitimately good in that it made me hurt on the inside was uh, uh, Ryan does something that get that like there's a clear point of Ryan understanding something. And so both their numbers go down. Their numbers are tied. And Minji, upon seeing this, goes, oh, I get it. We're both on this train because you're fucked up. Yeah, I'm just along for the ride. And he's such a cunt (laughs) for the next episode. Constantly unendingly hammering home hey man you're just a fuck up but once we figure out your problems we'll be home free not me I'm perfect it's oh, such dirt but yeah and yeah. like th- th- those are, I would say like shining parts of book four but otherwise book four is fairly it's okay fine. It's, it's fine it's, it's fine it's not, it's, probably, it's not a bad like show or it's anything but just comparatively as,
1: it's probably as good as I'd say it's probably as good as book one it's it's just not as um interesting well it's just so we know what the train's about right so it's not about the mystery of it it's about yeah. that we know what's going on there's no real elements of mystery.
0: This, in- this is this is kind of the first book since the first since book one where we have to relearn it a little bit like uh Jesse gets his feel explained by mirror Tulip real quick uh the um the apex no, the apex thinks they know the gimmick. They're told the gimmick, and they're just like, "Well, fuck off." That's a lie. Um, and do we want to just head into book three now? Because book three is I your guess. favorite book.
1: Book three is really good. It's it's
0: it's very unique even amongst the series
1: because it's it's it it stars the
0: entire... some. <sighs> They're the antagonists like an episode, but they're they are very clearly painted in book two as bad guys. It's also
1: yeah. I'm rewatching it, did you realize that it, the show start that the the show starts with the song that Jesse kept wanting to sing to get people to like each other? Does it? Yeah, it starts with like when I look at you, I see me. Which is the song Jesse kept trying to tell people whenever they were fighting to sing. That's like it's a song we sing at school. Uh, when when we get into arguments, it's like when I look at you, I see me. And it starts with the next one starts with a song and it's and it's great where um book three starts with this song sequence where Apex is getting ready. They're these anarchist like uh, fringe kids, right? Who who just kind of bands together and it's super mad max.
0: uh, yeah. Um, they, um, they, I don't know. I don't want to say worship, but they look up to the conductor who was Amelia in book one. Yeah. Uh, they to the point where they draw a wave line on their face, and they believe that entering the train is this sort of, um, right, like just like a divine right. That, yeah, they this they divine just get right. To- if you are if you're blessed enough to enter the train, that the train belongs to you, and the numbers on your hands, you want to get that up. That's a high score. Yeah. You got to pump those numbers up.
1: Yeah, and uh, and they just don't want to leave the train. They they're having fun, yeah. just destroying shit. So the show the season starts with them with this song, and then uh, with them getting ready, and then just getting dressed and starting their day. And then it cuts to the the next train car that was a theater of uh some of the denizens, which were just like stage lights and like other inanimate objects singing the song. Yeah, and then they just come lucky. in there and just start fucking tearing them apart, like actually busting the lights in, which is the face yeah. of the spotlights. <laughs> and up, the spotlight like, like, spot, like, actually begs for mercy. Yeah. And then and then uh, what's her face? The Apex Grace. Grace looks in the reflection of it to to see if what she to see if her clothes look OK as it's yeah. begging for mercy. And like, holy
0: shit. It's so it's so insanely like you get away with this. On, mm-hmm. Not just like a cartoon for kids, but like on any show, you get away with some this horrible violence because these things are, you know, they're they're anthropomorphic sort of objects, right? It, you replace this with people, and it's the it's a fucking riot.
1: Yeah. You. But and so and rarely do they have a moment where the character would beg for mercy.
0: <laughs> yeah. God. But it, and it just doesn't matter, and it's so fucked up because we see Grace and Simon, the the guy. These are the two. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's hard see, to call them protagonists, but the two main characters of this book—you see just, them actively not give a shit what they care about because the denizens of the train aren't real people; they're yeah. nulls. And and
1: it's it's um, and it and it shows them as this very toxic codependent relationship, right, where they yeah. just kept reinforcing their wrong ideas on each other, and they uh-huh. just got worse and worse. And then um, when they gets when they meet, uh, what's her name? Uh, Hazel. Hazel, and it just kind of rocks and their worldview. Who someone they thought was a person, but turned out to be a denizen Um,
0: like what that does to you. Yeah, it, yeah, it is the it, most. It just rocks their worldview, and
1: then they and then they take it in different ways. And uh there's ups and downs for each of the characters. Um, and and you feel really bad for Simon. Who could have been fine? You know, he could have got better. Simon but chose is given. To get Simon worse. is
0: given so so many opportunities. Like I don't know the last time I saw a character handed on a silver platter more opportunities to be good, and Simon spits in the face, spits in your face, and this is this goes but, back no, but, to their characters. the characters. What's amazing is
1: you understand until the very end. Like each time he's just well, like I don't know about each time,
0: right? I don't know no, if like, him fucking uh, d- uh, like, this is Sparta kicking long live the king Tuba into the wheels. I don't know if you sit there and you go, I see where he's coming from. Well, the whole time he and Ed, well, the whole time Grace is saying, yeah, we'll get to killing
1: Tuba. Right.
0: And then he kills
1: Tuba and they're like, oh, but shit. Why did you do that?
0: that? Gra- even by that point, Grace is like kind of turning to, to a different like she a, a is, perspective. but she's not
1: telling she's not telling him. So he's under this false, this false idea. No. And he's wrong, and he keeps and he keeps getting he keeps getting worse, right, yeah, but like but and then and, and then he feels betrayed by grace, and then he starts that's when he really gets off the deep end and needs like has no allegiance anymore,
0: yeah, and this is where uh so it, it it's hard to really because they don't go directly into it. They go to him for grace, but they don't necessarily go directly into it for Simon. The original reasons they're on the train, because they've been on the train for literally years. Yeah. Like they entered the train when they were 15, 16, maybe, and they're both 18 now. And so Grace's issue was that she is attention starved to from her family, from just people in her life. And so that, you know, this feeds mm-hmm. into her character on the train where Simon is the exact opposite. Simon kind of has abandonment issues, but more importantly, he's a narcissist yeah so hey guess what simon and grace are perfectly made for each other in the same way that uh, a rotten apple core and a and a banana peel with maggots on it are made for each other
1: yeah no it's like a perfect storm toxic relationship right
0: yeah the only thing the only thing that uh salvages them as people is that grace is able to get through her problems and she's kind of forced into it by simon which in in an error on his part because he makes mm. her relive her uh brain tape. Yeah, that was like heavy, man. And that is straight because like he, yeah, he forces her to do that. And this is sort of after the fact of learning, oh, Hazel, this little this cute little girl that we met, who for some reason doesn't have a number. That's weird. It's explained episodes in that, oh, Hazel's. She, a no, she has person. a
1: number, it just doesn't glow and doesn't change.
0: Yeah. Like Hazel's just this fucked up experiment from Amelia. And you'll notice that we m- brought up Amelia in like all of these parts because this the cool thing about Infinity Train, despite it being this anthology series, every part sort of has ripples in other parts. It's written incredibly well to have this overarching shit that happens, right? Tulip's actions in book one directly influence what happens in this book, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Tulip has never met the apex. Um, and yeah, it. It eventually Grace and Simon just this entire book is them drifting apart because Grace through Hazel starts to at the very least get it's it's almost a little ham-fisted, but it is very much, hey, just because you don't understand someone doesn't mean they're lesser than you, right? Book three,
1: I think, is the one I most like to I would most want to watch as like a movie, right? Uh, And that's and that's a benefit they got for being on HBO Max, right? Like they could write it that way. Um and because that's kind of what you do on these series when you like all streaming shows are basically just movies that uh-huh. they just don't have a limit to how long they can be. You just like cut them up. Yeah, you like you make like a like a four hour movie and then you arbitrarily cut the episodes up because you know they're going to be binge anyways. They're made to do that. Um and and uh and book three has this has um this clear um like i don't know clear uh, but it's got the plot um moves about and you really get to know the characters because you know it's it's about simon and grace they don't have um a like one one and a cute yeah. organ you're not tuba's you're not kind of there like, tuba's there but tuba's for not a little character. while yeah she's a she's a main she's not a main character she really isn't she's just yeah. kind of there
0: and, and you, you and the 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 characters aren't weighed down. this is the most uh, character study this show gets because yeah. it's not weighed down by how does the train work why aren't like exactly. why what, what's the deal exactly. with me and all that stuff it's so much these all these characters are familiar with the train they're familiar with how things work or at least familiar with their version of how things work and mm-hmm. so we get to dive into what makes these characters themselves uh for me i think the most um maybe important scene of this of this book and maybe the show is the uh tuba funeral scene where yeah. it is grace and hazel doing this eulogy for tuba and grace starts this by not like you mentioned earlier grace still didn't see tuba as like a person no grace still didn't really give a shit about she Tuba, saw, but she
1: saw how hazel cared about tuba and yeah, that made seeing- her matter
0: Seeing it through Hazel's eyes, this lets Grace connect with Hazel and real, and you know, it breaks her down. Grace starts fucking crying. And it's this incredible, like, it's this really great scene. And then we get the most radical character design in the show, which the Wikipedia, the, the Infinity Trade Wikipedia just labels as the ruler, Simon. <laughs> where Simon, upon uh, upon killing Tuba, upon damning Grace and Hazel and, like, selling Hazel off or whatever, doing all of this, his number is so high up that it starts, like, it's up, it's up and down both of his arms, it's up his chest, up to his neck, up to his face. He has his hair down, he has this cape. Also, it makes you wonder how
1: long, we yeah. don't know for sure, how long Grace was trapped in her memories. It might have been yeah. months.
0: It It is, it's explicitly left ambiguous. Yeah. Because his hair's longer, he's he's got fitter. You yeah, know? he's like he at some point he managed to return to the apex to just sort of like bend them to his will. It's and you know and, Grace- and what Simon
1: did is he because the thing about watching your own tapes, which he made uh, Grace do, is it you could potentially be trapped there forever.
0: Yeah, and because she's loose because it's the same memories over and over. And it's not just like memories. It's specifically traumatic events. Yeah, it is literally relive your traumatic events forever for for all I care. And I think it's literally only through Grace sort of accepting um, her fault is that she's able mm. to escape in some way. And so we have the this showdown between Grace and Simon, which is it's like weird to have this. Uh, it's, an it's episode of the a, show ended in a
1: showdown. Yeah, it's such a Star Wars thing on the dramatic bridge.
0: Yeah. And it's fantastic because I think it's... Because um, it, Grace gets helped out even... Grace gets thrown off the train. The train's moving and Simon tries to wheel Grace just straight up. Because Which is fuck what, it. what
1: they call just like destroying stuff by throwing it into the wheels of the train.
0: Into the, in the train wheels. And this is obviously like 20 steps too far. It's too far when he does it to Tuba. But with this, it's Simon going... You're not a null, but you are still lesser than me as a person. So you mm. do not deserve life because Simon is now so full into his own um narcissism that he just sees other human beings as lesser than him, yeah. and at this point, like this is when he believes he's killed Grace, who is a was his best friend b probably kind of a love interest at least yeah. And his he, numbers go all the way up to his face, and he starts like laughing laugh. maniacally and yeah, crying. crying. Yep. And it's so fucking raw.
1: It's really like, good.
0: Grace is saved by some origami swans or whatever. And it's, I remember it's, seeing this really cool artwork of uh, Simon falling into like madness while Grace is being lifted up by the swans. And right, then, the swans were,
1: were like. It was just kind a, of dumb. A bit looking. of an asshole. I, it was kind of an asshole. Yeah, a little bit.
0: But like you you do it for the symbolism. Yeah, I mean
1: it could've you know, whatever.
0: But yeah, this is the part where Simon in his like last moments of madness is jumped by a gom and it's the first sucked. person to
1: die by gome on screen.
0: Which <laughs> First also, person to die of, on
1: screen. Which also gom. Uh that one was on some roids or something, because that one sucked up fast. Yeah, no, he
0: like He, he did was not have a, much soul left in him, I guess. He was a thirsty boy. Listen, that's what I'm saying. With the higher your number is, the juicier you are. Yeah. And so he gets the good suck. So, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, book five was supposed to be the story of Amelia, uh, actually taking over the train, and it was t- to take place in ten, and with book four, which is why I assume they chose book four specifically because they have all the books planned. Owen Dennis knows what all of them are. Uh, there's up to eight, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Which even having like a hard limit is weird because it's the infinity train, right? It's the you infinity
1: train and it's do it forever it, it, if you wanted, but yeah.
0: I, I do I do in part appreciate them him going like here's the stories I want to tell. Yeah. And I want to say it one more time, HBO Max, you fucking put this back on the air, I swear to god, I will end you. <sighs> we will not be sponsored it's time by HBO for Max. Morgan's
1: bedtime. Let's let's, and it's uh, time for let's Morgan's uh, bedtime.
0: Let's Morgan's a uh, very let's, tired where boy. Where can they
1: find us, Jesse?
0: all right hey if you like that uh you can follow us on twitter at smcp underscore show you can follow us individually at simon comics or at jper you know i keep forgetting the facebook we have a facebook uh follow <laughs> well, us there if, if I you even want mention
1: it like no, I we're not gonna post there ever shut up don't i our post facebook. the
0: episodes okay you know what? if you follow us on facebook unfollow us fuck yeah, you that's fine what's wrong with you following us on facebook make a twitter account where follows matter uh, you can also check out our pet show on air, buds, with new episodes at the end of every month. This month's a good one. Um, remember, hashtag Smack the Mac, so that the McElroys know that uh, their time is their their time is nigh. And now, Owen oh,
1: Dennis is now welcome to enter the Thunderdome that is the Kmart parking lot.
0: The th- the Kmart parking lot Thunderdome. Uh, hashtag Real Jesse In, which is the weaker of the hashtags. I'll freely admit. <laughs> You just, and- man, you just gotta, you
1: just don't have that brass soul that I do, you know? You just, you're not, you, sure, you skank. Sure, you're, you're rude. You're a rudest you. boy. But, sure do, you but, wear do, fedora. but do you, do you eat, breathe, and,
0: uh, and sleep Ska? I don't think you do. I don't, I don't think you, uh, I don't think you have what it takes to pick it up. Listen, I don't sleep Ska because Ska never rests. There may Uh, be
1: hope for you yet.
0: (laughs) You son of a bitch. Uh, Remember to like, comment, share, give us five stars, spread the hashtag, save Infinity Train, or whatever the hell the hashtag is going to be. I don't know. I'll post it when it's it's there. You know how it is. You know how it is. And uh, yeah, hey, remember: if you have uh, if you have trauma in your life, just wait for the train to come and solve your shit for you. Just make it worse until the train arrives. It'll get there. You uh-huh, just uh-huh. You, it, your problem right now
1: is you're you're not traumat enough.
0: You don't have enough trauma. If you're if you think you're having like issues in your life, they're not real issues. They're not real issues until the train comes. Yeah. Alright. What a the message? People.
1: Men will literally <laughs> Men will literally go on an extra-dimensional train instead of going to therapy. <laughs>